Hello, hello, my above average tribe, and welcome back to the A Minus Life podcast. I am your host, Casey Jericho. And once again, I am so happy to have you here listening, and I hope we can laugh, learn, and grow together. Before I get into the topic for this week, I want to remind you guys that every review, like, share is so appreciated and really helps me and this channel out. So if you're not too busy while listening to this, it would be very appreciated if you could subscribe to this podcast or my YouTube channel, leave a rating, uh, leave a raving review on either platform. Also, please share with family, friends, even mortal enemies. I want to uh, also remind you guys that even though I have turned into a professional podcaster, my true love is my one-on-one lifestyle coaching company and our lifestyle app. If you are ready to make some sustainable and enjoyable change and learn what feeling good actually feels like, please click on the link in our show notes, on my Instagram, or on my website and join the team. You can use code A-LIFE10, spell out minus, to get 10% off any package you choose as a thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And now that my lovely spiel is over, let's keep showing up and get into it. Hello. Happy second week of January, I believe. Um, I hope everyone is having an awesome new year and I hope everyone is not getting smacked in the face with the sicknesses that my family is getting. Um, I'm sure you guys know that I was hit with some sort of flu slash something over Christmas where I was wrapping presents and I thought I was feeling okay and my husband took my temperature and I had 102, right? mom things got to get it done and then this past week which I guess is two weeks ago from when you guys are gonna be listening to this my husband had a serious fever and you know the man flu is always questionable but then the guy took his temperature in front of me and it was a 104.9 I've actually never seen a fever that high and I was like oh okay maybe you are actually sick so He went to urgent care and had a chest x-ray and negative for COVID and flu, but positive for like the start of pneumonia and he had antibiotics and the house is falling apart. But the kids are fine and I guess I'm technically fine even though I like run 100 now like normally. That seems to be like my resting temperature, which is bizarre. Um, But I just feel like everyone left and right is dropping. But I do think it's just inevitable that we get sick and it's good to fight it off and test our immune systems every once in a while. We don't want to live healthy all the time because we do want to challenge our immune system, right? A little progressive overload for our immune system. <laughs> I'm not sure if that actually works, any doctors out there, but hopefully this all breaks soon. It snowed today a little bit, but it did not stick, so I'm sure I will be up getting ready for school tomorrow morning at 4.30 a.m. Nothing is better than a delayed opening. And it's better than a cancellation because the day counts. And then you don't lose a day in May or you don't lose a day for April break when it's actually sunny out. And you start the day like two and a half hours later than you should. Periods are shortened. Half the kids don't come in. Delayed openings are the bee's knees. So I don't know, maybe it'll get super cold tonight and the buses won't be able to start in the morning and we can have a delayed opening. So praise be. Also, update for my book nerds. I am on the second book of the Rebecca Yaros Fourth Wing series. 
and it is just as good. I am hooked. My steps are loving it because I just pace around and read. After I record this podcast, I am going into my garage and going on the treadmill to read. And yep, I love dragons apparently and fantasy life, but it's so good. And even better news, I thought she was writing three. I was told she's writing five. That is incredible. So I thank you, Rebecca Yaros. Um, You're getting my groove back with reading, which I love. So today's topic has nothing to do with sickness, nothing to do with books. It is about working out versus training. Now, some of you guys may be like, okay, it's the same thing. You work out, you're training. What are you talking about? They're actually pretty different and they make a big deal, a big difference, I guess, really. I know nutrition is 80% of the battle, right? You cannot outwork a bad diet. You just can't. Maybe when you're 21, you can just because your genetics and your metabolism are running around, but you can't. You cannot go to the gym four times a week and then eat like doo-doo and expect this slamming body. So nutrition is king, okay, or let's queen, and working out is definitely like, I don't know, the jack, right, or, or the 10, It's very important, but it can't get you all the results that you want unless it's paired with good nutrition. Now, working out and training also have tiers. Not everybody who works out or trains works out or trains the same. And that's where you're gonna separate. That's where you're gonna see the differences. That's where you're gonna be confused on why you don't look like somebody who does the same thing you do. Right, walk into an orange theory, whole lot of different body types. Walk into a CrossFit, whole lot of different body types. Walk into a bodybuilding gym, whole lot of different body types. When it comes down to nutrition and training, there are different avenues and there are best avenues, optimal avenues. And that's what I want to get in today. So this topic specifically has really changed for me in this past year. It's something I thought I knew a lot about. Honestly, if you would have asked me if I was stronger in nutrition or stronger in training, I probably would have said training just because I've been playing sports my whole life. I haven't necessarily been eating well my whole life, but it's actually opposite. Um, I probably know more about nutrition now than I do about the intricacies of, or I did about the intricacies of training. It is something that I'm committed to learning a lot about, and I'm very lucky that my coach is very knowledgeable in this field, and he helps me a lot, but it's something that I have evolved a lot on in this past year. So like I have expressed in the past, right, I was a girl that believed in more sweat, more calories on your smartwatch, more splat points, more soreness, made a better workout, and that is the furthest from the truth right? These beliefs are why I really loved CrossFit. That's why I thought I found my thing, right? I love the high intensity workouts. I love the feeling of redlining, which people might be like, you're actually nuts, right? I wasn't the most skilled CrossFitter. Um, I actually wasn't even close, right? I just loved to redline. I like being uncomfortable in workouts. Um, I was comfortable with being uncomfy. So, give me a snatch workout or a handstand walk workout, I would probably come in dead last. I would try, but I just wasn't good at the gymnastics stuff. I wasn't good at like the overhead lifts. It's partially because I put no real effort into practicing and my mobility was trash. Um, Give me a workout like Murph, which is running, pull-ups, 
push-ups, air squats as fast as you can with a weighted vest on, any sort of grit workout, and I would probably come in first, you know, for that gym. I loved feeling like I was going to die. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes is, don't worry, you won't die, you'll pass out first. The feeling of like laying on the floor like death um, was like a real turn on for me. Um, I'm sure my therapist would have some insights to that, but we're just going to ignore those for now. So after CrossFit, uh, well, or during actually, right, I joined Orange Theory. I was not pregnant yet, but I liked this new, I was all about the fad workouts, right? So I was like, oh, let me give this a whirl. Some of my friends were going, they loved it. So I gave it a try. Right away, I'm obviously attracted to it because of the competition that is connected to it, right? It's a little bit more cardio-based than CrossFit. It's in a hot room. There's competition slash a leaderboard when, you know, in reality, it's not really a leaderboard because it's all about your heart rate and your splat points. So inevitably, the most out-of-shape people are going to have the highest heart rates and the highest splat points, which you're actually not a leader if you're the most out of shape, but it's a way for people to compete against each other. So I loved it, right? First off the rower, most distance on the treadmill, yada, 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 most reps at the station. I, I totally drank the juice, right? I would come out of class with over, you know, 400 calories burned on my watch every time, sometimes even 500. So that made me feel good. And that totally led to my obsession with programming these crazy workouts for myself in my garage, right? So once I had my son and then I got pregnant with my daughter and in between that, we worked out from home a little bit more because we just didn't have enough time. And in my head, I was like, okay, well, I need to feel just as much pain as I do in CrossFit. I need to sweat as much as I do at Orange Theory and I need to burn as many calories as I do at Orange Theory. So that resulted in 60-minute workouts, as many reps as I could, garage door closed in the middle of summer with no fan, no programmed rest, just go, go, go. Um, And no wonder Tom refused to do them with me, right? They were miserable. Um, Yeah, he passed. Smart guy, right? I would actually purposely wear like gray or you know, army green t-shirts just so I could see how much I would sweat. And I would almost take that as like, a successful mark of my workout. So this was a pretty significant chunk of my life, right? I believed in the sweat, the pain, the length of time being the best way to work out for probably seven years or so. I have a very bad long-term memory. So my guess is about 2013 to 2020, I sat in this workout space of more is better. Um, it really took my pregnancy with Rory and having a toddler at home for me to kind of change my workout routine, right? It was not as easy to have a 60-minute clock with no rest while, you know, I had a newborn and I had a toddler at home. It was inevitable. I was going to have to stop to take care of one of them. And at first I was doing it and it made me feel like my workout didn't count because, you know, I stopped to get Russ in his snack and I was like, ugh, what a waste. And that, you know, just wasn't true. I also started diving into the education part and how I could achieve better aesthetic, right? I wanted to look better. I felt like I was putting in all this hard work, but I wasn't loving what I saw in the mirror. And then I started to change things. And before I get into what training versus working out really was, I want once again want to harp on the fact that most of your 
aesthetic, most of your physique is nutrition based. And this is where a lot of us fall short. We quote unquote, eat healthy. That is such an ambiguous statement, right? Like, what does that mean you eat healthy? You have salad every day, okay? A salad could pack on 1200 calories. You eat healthy, what does that mean? You don't eat out all the time, okay? But you make homemade dinners that are you know, filled with fat and processed carbs. So we really have to do a better job at auditing our nutrition with the, you know, I eat healthy saying or the sometimes or most of the time I eat healthy. Those are statements with no foundation, no backup. So I know a lot of people, right, who are willing to put in the effort to work out, but their eating just doesn't match up. And unfortunately, that really works against themselves. So most women work out. They go to some, I mean, at least I'm in my circles, I guess, right? They go to some sort of fitness class or group class. They go to the gym. They do work hard. Most females are not afraid to work hard. No offense, men, right? But they work against themselves in the kitchen. We cannot outwork a bad diet and even up most of the time is not a good enough, right? Two to three quote unquote off track meals a week can set you back further than you think, right? That could add up to 6,000 calories extra in three takeout meals, right? Three restaurant meals can really add up. So most of the time is just not what we're shooting for. So before I go into the difference between training and working out, please, please, please audit your nutrition for a week. Download my fitness pal, track your food, and just audit it. See where you're actually at. It can be pretty eye-opening. And don't change your habits, right? Don't download my fitness pal and then all of a sudden, you know, eat chicken and rice. You're not fooling anyone. So give it a whirl, right? Eating salads that are 1200 calories and 20 grams of protein is not healthy. Okay, track, audit, look at what exactly is going in your body. Because if that doesn't match your training effort, you're going to be stuck. And it's going to be frustrating because you're, you're putting in the time in the gym, you're putting in the effort. But Unfortunately, you're hitting a glass ceiling because your nutrition is not on point. So now let's dive into what exactly the difference is between training and working out. Let's see what Oxford has to say, right? And since I did just look this up now and we do one take, uh, this did kind of bite me in the butt a little bit, but all right. So my plan here was to look it up, right? And have the term working out not be as powerful of a definition as training, but According to Oxford, working out is engaging in vigorous physical exercise or training. That's a pretty intense definition, right? Vigorous is another word for forceful or strength. So that wasn't as weak as I thought. But training, the definition for training is to develop and improve a mental or physical faculty through instruction or practice. So working out seems more like... (laughs) like bro lifting and training seems more like a science lifting, which is actually pretty interesting, right? So both definitions are pretty badass. Um, Does, I think, make this little dictionary experiment work in my favor once I explain, right? So right away, these two definitions, you can see that working out focuses more on like, I just keep picturing like grunting and effort, but training focuses more on a plan with a specific goal. Right. So many people think working out is enough. And for some people who are just starting their fitness journey, it may be right. If you have never stepped foot into a gym 
you are overweight and you go into any kind of group fitness class or any kind of gym, any kind of movement or any kind of plan is going to work at first, right? You're probably going to build some muscle. You're probably going to lose some weight. It's going to look good, right? So any kind of movement may be good enough for a newbie to achieve the goal they have of weight loss or initial muscle growth. Just working out may also be fine for people who are happy with where their aesthetic and their health are currently. They just want to maintain. They want to stay where they are. They don't really have any goals. They are just content and they just want to enjoy movement, right? So that's two groups of people that working out may just be enough. For most people though, they have specific goals in their head, right? Whether it's to lose a certain amount of weight, to gain a certain amount of muscle, to get stronger, become more toned. Um, and that's where training comes into play, right? That's where working out has to kind of take a back seat and training needs to happen. So I want to give you a quick example, right, of what working out looks like before I dive into why training is superior. So let's, we'll use workout Barbie, right, as our fake 40-year-old female, right? She has three kids. She hasn't really lost any body weight since baby number three, um, but she works out. She goes to Orange Theory three days a week, and she goes to a personal trainer two times a week. And she runs um, one other day and rests the other, right? So she technically is, is intentionally moving six times a week, three times Orange Theory, two times personal trainer, one time outdoor run. If you looked at that on a piece of paper, you would be like, oh, wow, like she's probably in good shape. She's probably healthy. She obviously works hard. But here's the problem with that. Every day in this schedule is something different. Every Orange Theory class is high intensity with random cardio programs and some random cardio with weights, aka circuit training. Yes, I'm sure at headquarters in Orange Theory, they plan workouts in advance with some sort of ideas. But again, I coached and worked there for over a year. There is no real structure in their programs. They are fun. They are high intensity. They are addicting. But there is no method to their madness. You do not do legs every Tuesday. You don't do pull every Thursday, right? There's just, with weights, there's no real growth, okay? Her personal trainer that she sees twice a week knows that she probably can't get workout Barbie amazing results with only seeing her two times a week. So the personal trainer obviously wants to keep her as a client so her best bet is to kick her ass those two times a week, right? Because if workout Barbie leaves dripping in sweat, huffing and puffing, she's going to think her trainer's doing a good job. So her trainer just does hard workouts, kind of cardio-based. Here's a kettlebell, swing it 40 times. Here's a BOSU ball, stand on it while swinging a kettlebell. Um, here's a box jump on it while holding a weight on both sides and then come down and do a squat or, you know, do a reverse lunge while punching the dumbbell with your right hand. All these things that get your heart rate up and yes, your muscles feel a burn, but not going to do much after that initial couple months. Your trainer's going to, you know, make you lift weights for time, put you in some sort of station breakdown where you're more so out of breath 
from the speed than the load of the weights, right? You're going to feel a burn, but that's just hydrogen ions building up, not from muscle damage. But Workout Barbie sees that she burned 350 calories on her Apple Watch. She's sweaty. Her shirt's a different color. She's out of breath. So in her mind, she did what she came to do. She worked hard, which of course she did, and she'll come back again next week. But here's the issue. She does this for three months now, goes to Orange Theory and sees this trainer. And after, you know, her initial three months, she's not really seeing any change, right? She kind of saw some weight loss and some muscle growth in the first six weeks or so. And then after that, nothing really is happening. For some reason, she's plateaued. Now, let's take her friend, Ken. Ken follows a lifting program four times a week. But after the initial six months of this program, he also hasn't seen much change in his physique or numbers, strength numbers. Why? Why could this be? Ken and Barbie are both putting in the work, but they're plateauing. Ken and Barbie are checking off the workout box, but they are not checking off the training box. And eventually, the newbie gains are going to wear off. And this is where you need to graduate to training if you want to keep seeing change, if you want to keep getting tighter, losing inches, getting stronger. Now, how could both Ken and Barbie change what they're doing into training? Before we get into that, let's go into a little bit of a sciencey brief on how muscle grows. So muscle grows by three stressors, right? They're applied to muscles during weight training. The first one is mechanical tension. Fancy word for volume. How much are you lifting, right? This is the biggest factor. The weight you are lifting, the volume. Second one is metabolic stress, aka the burn, right? Everyone loves this one. This is from, you know, decreasing pH in your working muscles, hydrogen ions, all sorts of stuff that we necessarily don't need to dive into, but it's metabolic stress. Then we have muscle damage. This is where you create little tears in the muscle as you use it, which needs to happen if you want to build bigger muscles. After your workout, your body repairs or replaces these damaged muscle fibers through a cellular cellular process, right, where it fuses these fibers together to form new muscle, okay? So the muscle's broken down. To heal it, it kind of forms it by making it a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. I'm trying to think of like if, you're a, if you have a hole in your wall, right, and you spackle it, but you're not a very good spackler, right? It gets a little thicker. Imagine you hit a hole in that same spot and you spackle it again. Hole in the same spot, spackle it again. That part of the wall is going to be bigger, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about with muscle. You keep damaging them to grow them bigger, grow them bigger. And it increases the thickness and that leads to muscle hypertrophy, aka growth, right? Muscle growth occurs when the rate of protein synthesis is greater than the rate of muscle protein breakdown. This adaption, however, does not happen while you actually lift weights. It doesn't happen when you lift weights. You do not grow your muscles in the gym. You grow them when you rest. 
And this is a hard concept for a lot of people to understand, but rest days are so, so important. If workout Barbie works out seven days a week, she is never giving her muscles a chance to actually grow. So she could be damaging and damaging them, but if she does not rest and let them grow, she won't see change. And it doesn't make sense in her mind because she's putting in the effort and she's not seeing results. Well, she's not resting. She's not letting that person spackle the wall to make it bigger, right? In order to produce muscle growth, you also have to apply a load of stress greater than your body or muscles had previously adapted to. So what does that mean? It means that you can't lift weights that your body is already comfortable lifting. So if you are using four pound dumbbells or six pound dumbbells for bicep curls, yet you are carrying grocery bags or you are carrying toddlers that are clearly more than five or six pounds, you're not going to build muscle in those areas because your body already can do this. Even if you feel a burn, you're not damaging your muscles, right? If you're used to carrying your 34 pound toddler in your arms, but yet when you go to the gym to work out, you're using six pound dumbbells, your body is not stressed. Your muscles are not tearing. You are not causing enough breakdown. We need to challenge our muscles. If you carry a toddler, if you carry your teenager, if you carry bags of groceries, laundry, you should not have two and a half pound weights in your house. The second thing that really needs to happen, right, is actually damaging the muscle. If you've ever felt sore after a workout, you've experienced localized muscle damage from that workout. This muscle damage um, is a release of inflammatory molecules and immune system cells that activate satellite cells to jump into action to help your muscles. But everyone listen, this does not mean that you actually have to feel sore in order for this to happen. Okay, This can happen without the actual feeling of being sore. So being sore does not mean the workout was good. You can grow muscle without being sore. Um, But instead, the damage from the workout has to be present in your muscle cells. Typically, soreness, right, is lessened over time just by other mechanisms in your body, getting fitter, um, and everyone probably has experienced this, right? Once you've been working out for a longer period of time, you don't get as sore. You go away for a month, then you go back to the gym, and you can't walk the next day, right? It's just you get kind of used to it a little bit. Metabolic stress causes cell swelling around the muscle, which helps to contribute to muscle growth without necessarily increasing the size of your muscle cells. This is from the addition of muscle glycogen, which helps to swell the muscle along with the connective tissue. This type of growth is known as sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, fancy word, and it's just one of the ways that people kind of like feel the appearance of their muscles getting bigger. This is like the pump, right, at the gym where you do a couple bicep curls, a couple push-ups, and you're like, holy moly, I can't even like, I can't even put my ponytail up because my biceps are so big right now. It's just the muscle cells kind of growing in the moment. Um, Now, even if you do all this right, you can still hit a wall with muscle growth if you don't rest. If you do not provide your body with adequate rest and nutrition, 
you can actually reverse the anabolic process and put your body into a catabolic or destructive state, which a lot of females do because we feel like we have to do seven days of workouts. Sometimes people do doubles. One of my closest friends at CrossFit used to do a CrossFit workout at 5 a.m. and go to Orange Theory at 4 o'clock. So, so much stress. There was no way that she was going to grow muscle when she was doing this constantly. The response of muscle protein metabolism to a resistance exercise lasts for about 24 to 48 hours. So the interaction between protein metabolism and any of those meals consumed in that period will kind of determine how your diet helps with muscle growth, aka eat well after you work out. Sleep, part of resting. Another thing that people think, you know, that quote, I'll sleep when I'm dead, which I used to think was like a badass quote, is actually stupid because a large portion of muscle regeneration and cell cleaning happens when you're sleeping. When you lift weights, especially if you reach muscle fatigue, you literally tear your muscle, right? It's a good thing when you're trying to build muscle because these tears essentially tell your body that the tissue needs to be stronger to be able to overcome the force that you just applied. When you rest, those repairs get, those tears get repaired, resulting in stronger muscles and increased muscle mass. Without the right training intensity though, the muscles aren't going to be challenged enough to see results and to do it without rest is almost impossible. Both rest and work are equally important when it comes to seeing muscle gain. So the intensity of your workouts and the intensity of your rest need to match. And this is where I want to kind of segue into training intensity. Right, And this is one of the biggest things that differs with working out. And this is why Ken, if you think back to my example of he did a strength program four days a week, he was falling short. Your training intensity needs to be so high that you are borderline failing on almost every one of your last sets. And I don't want to say intensity needs to be high and everyone think I mean high intensity intervals. Right, That's a different thing. High interval intensity or high intensity interval training is different than just intense training. We're not doing intervals. We are just lifting hard, right? Hard enough where we actually damage your muscles in order to truly do what you need to do to tear them, right? It's so often that clients will send me videos of their workouts and I write back, why did you stop? Okay, so... In my coaching company, obviously, I can't be in person with people all the time, so they send me videos. It's very important that people send me videos, but it's so, so common that my first question is, and why did you stop? Usually, they respond because it got really hard or I couldn't do it anymore. Now, if you're going to muscle failure, really hard is not muscle failure. That's just really hard. And if you're going to muscle failure, I couldn't do it anymore, your brain's not allowed to make that decision. Your muscles are, right? So even though both these clients have good intention with those answers, it's not hard enough. In reality, when you think, oh, wow, this is really hard, you're probably at like a 6 out of 10 on the lifting intensity scale, right? And if you're just saying you couldn't do it anymore, you're kind of fibbing, right? You're... Your muscles determine that, not your brain. 
your quad will literally not be able to push that leg extension machine up anymore. Not you saying, I can't do it anymore. Doesn't count, right? Failure is a pretty simple word. It literally just means can't do anymore. But for some reason, it's it's a really hard concept to convey to even to new lifters and even like intermediate lifters, myself included, um, even experienced ones, right? It was hard for me to grasp. It still kind of is. I'm finally getting it. It's just if I choose to do it or not. And I try and um, like compare it to this, right? So if I asked a client to tear a piece of paper in half, they do it. Then I go, okay, put two pieces of paper together, tear it in half. They do it. Okay, now put three pieces of paper together, tear it in half. They do it. Now, I want you to keep repeating that process by adding a piece each time and stop when you fail. They're not going to just like put five pieces and be like, okay, that's enough. They're going to try it. And if they start to rip it and it continues to rip, they're going to try page six and they're going to keep going. They're not just going to be like, uh, yeah, I'm done. Right. But for some reason, when we do this with lifting, we just kind of stop. We don't truly go to failure. When we feel the burn and we stop or our heart rate gets too high and we stop or our legs shake a little bit and we stop, that's the golden hour. That's where you're going to get the gains. That's where you want to take a big breath and go again and maybe even take a big breath and go again. When your brain tells you enough, that's just the start of where the growth is going to come, right? It sucks. It hurts. Your brain is probably like, okay, enough, enough, but that's where you want to keep going right? That's when you pretend someone's holding a gun to your head and saying, you need to do three more. And I bet you, you're going to get three more out. It's called like the, part of my French, right? The fuck it number where your brain is saying, whoo, fuck this. I'm done. Eh, guess what? You probably have three more. And that's where the damage truly happens, right? That's when the muscle growth or the damage that can possibly lead to growth if you rest occurs right? Squatting a barbell that's lighter than your kids and stopping it once you feel ouch is going to keep you in the same physique forever. You're not going to see booty gains. You're not going to see your quads get tighter. You're just going to like feel like you did an okay workout and then look in the mirror and be like, what the hell, right? We should be making ugly faces. We should be breathing unbelievably heavy, praying to whatever God we believe in to get in that last rep. And then guess what? You should try again. That's why I'm such a big advocate for globo gyms and machines because it is a lot easier to reach failure on a leg extension than on a dumbbell squat. It's a lot easier to reach true failure on a leg curl than a deadlift, right? Machines just provide stability. They provide the actual aha moment like, oh shit, I can't actually move this anymore, right? And barbells can be... They are amazing, but it can be a little bit more intimidating to take a reverse lunge with a barbell on your back to true failure, right? If you're attached to a Smith machine, it just kind of locks in place. So if you are someone that is lifting in a CrossFit gym or in your basement with free weights, you can obviously get amazing, amazing progress. You can probably achieve everything you want, but if there's that, huh, I have hit a plateau. What can I maybe do better? Give a gym a try just for a little bit. See how much heavier you can go while incorporating machines. Um, 
And then I want to talk about the last thing that makes training different from working out, right? And that's the plan. Muscle confusion was this big thing and it has completely been debunked over and over again. There is... Oh boy, my kids are screaming. Okay. Right, so there's actually no evidence that switching up workouts leads to any increase in muscle mass or strength at all. Not one study anywhere. The only thing that muscles respond to is progressive overload, right? And that's the law that states you must continuously increase the amount of weight or reps lifted in each workout in order to increase your muscle mass. Make it harder every week. And that doesn't mean starting out so low um, that, you know, by week 10, it's still not that hard. It's starting hard and continuing the hard right? Keep making things harder. Keep raising the intensity. Keep damaging the muscles so they keep having to repair and grow. There are a couple of ways to do progressive overload. First, you can increase the weight, right? If you did a reverse lunge at 95 pounds on week one, try 105 pounds on week two. Try 110 pounds on week three. 112 pounds on week four. So on. You get the point. The amount, reps or sets, So you did your 95-pound reverse lunge. You don't think you can go up in weight, so you do it for 10 reps. Next week, do it for 12 reps. The week after that, do it for 14 reps. Then I think we can add weight next time. Or you did it for three sets. Do it for four sets. Um, So just the amount that we do. The next one can be time under tension, a.k.a. the speed. Slow down, right? CrossFit lifters, they're all about speed. I was too. I used to squat, drop it like it's hot. Don't do that. Slow it down. Be under tension more. The next one, range of motion. You were doing reverse lunges. You kind of got stuck at a weight. You can't really do any more sets or reps. Put a plate under your foot. Make the range of motion deeper. Make that harder. And then The last one I kind of recommend is decreasing rest. So you can go from a three-minute rest to a two-minute rest. That's fine, but then we don't want strength to kind of fall from that. So there are so many ways you can make things harder. But I do want to say again, we shouldn't be starting low just so we can make things harder, right? So you grab dumbbells for a bicep curl. Don't grab five pounds just so next week you can grab 10 pounds, Grab 15s, go start high and challenge with the weight. Focus on doing more reps then. You shouldn't really be increasing every set every week, right? There should be some consistency with starting heavy, ending heavy. And if you continually do the same lifts with the same weight, your body's not going to adapt. It's not going to grow. You don't need to do 25 different booty exercises from 10 different angles, right? All you need is a solid handful of movements that you just keep making harder and harder. You don't need Booty Friday to be 32 exercises long. You do a hip thrust, you do a reverse lunge, you do a Bulgarian split squat and an abductor, and that's it. Those four exercises every week going heavier and heavier, you'll get some booty gains. Right? Don't confuse the soreness 
you get with switching up workouts with success, right? Soreness is just from doing something your body is not used to, right? Every winter when it snows and we go out to shovel, most of us get sore the next day. We didn't build crazy shoulder muscles or lats by shoveling snow, even though my dad says otherwise, right? You just did a different movement over and over again for the first time in 10 months, so your body's a little sore. Don't confuse that, right? Plateaus in lifting and physique, they don't happen because you're not switching it up enough. They happen because you're not progressing enough or you're not auditing your nutrition and making it match. So the two big takeaways that I want hopefully you guys to take away from this, right, is you need to follow a progressive overload program. Stop switching your workouts every day or every week. Commit to the same workout plan for 12 weeks in a row and just constantly make them harder. Go to failure, okay? I do 16-week blocks. I don't change my workouts for four months. And I mean... I'm no model, but I'm pretty strong. It clearly works. And the second one is lift with intensity. Fail and truly fail. Don't let your brain tell you to stop. Don't let the burn tell you to stop. Don't stop until you actually cannot move anymore. You will not get hurt on a leg extension machine trying to move it and it not going anywhere. It's just not going to go anywhere. You won't get hurt hip thrusting, and not getting the barbell off the ground. It just won't get off the ground, right? You're not going to really ever get stuck with weight over your head or in a comparable position because that means you did the lift already, right? In a hip thrust, if you get the barbell off the ground, you did it. Now you just need to come back down, which means put your ass to the ground. In a shoulder press, if you got the dumbbells up over your head, you did the lift, you did the hard part, now just drop them back down. So try to get that fear out of your head. Go with a partner if you want. Use a Smith machine, use machines. No one's gonna think of you differently. They're actually gonna probably be like, oh, that person knows what they're doing because they're gonna challenge themselves more because they're more stable. Use a hack squat, use a pendulum squat, use a shoulder press machine. Use the things that allow you to be stable allow you to go to failure, and allow you to isolate those specific muscles you're looking at. I promise you, if you do those two things with dialed in nutrition, your physique will start to change within four weeks. You will see a difference. Take a picture of yourself. I promise you, you will see a difference. There is no doubt about it. But remember, you probably need some accountability for how intense you are truly lifting, right? I thought I didn't. I thought I was lifting hard. Most of the people around me would say I was very intense with working out. Guess what? I sent my first video to my coach and he was like, okay, I'm confused on why you stopped. You had more. And he was right. And I'm a year, almost a year in with him. And he still tells me that on some videos. I'm still finally understanding like, oh shit, like my body can do more, even though my brain wants me to stop. And again, you also have to make sure you are fueling properly. Stop just guessing at what you are eating weigh it, track it, look at the numbers, audit yourself, just like you would audit your finances, right? It's not an eating disorder to track your food. Is it a mental health issue to track your money? I don't think so. So why would it be that way with food? Um, And that is about it. I know there was like some bigger words and sciencey parts in this, but again, if you're going to take away two things, 
follow a plan for more than 10 weeks, intense, intense lifting. And of course, always in every one of my podcasts, right? Audit your nutrition. Luckily, there's this really awesome coaching company run by three really great people that can help you with that. They can program your progressive overload workouts. They can help you audit that nutrition. You can send them videos of you lifting so they could say, suck it up, Sally, do another one. And guess what? It's me. So if anyone is debating, give it a whirl, right? Three months. Commit to three months of getting guidance, lifting hard, auditing your nutrition, and see how it goes. Three months is a blip in time. Most of us are 20-year-olds and older. Some of us are a lot older than that. It's nothing. It's like 1% of your life. Three months. I'm here to help. Let's see what it does. Nothing bad can come from it. The only thing can be good. So you either stay where you are or you get better. Seems pretty worth it to me. So I hope everyone's having a lovely January. I'm nervous to stop talking and go downstairs after what I heard from the screaming from a Rory girl. But that's life. Have an awesome day. Remember, sign up for our newsletter if you haven't. I just joined TikTok. I'm actually horrendous. So give me some love on there. But reach out to me with any questions you have. I think one of the podcasts I'm going to do soon is going to be a Q&A. And I will put up question boxes on my Instagram. And so far, a couple of the questions are supplement-based. But if you have any questions, I'll just kind of go over them in a podcast. It can be anything. Health, nutrition, momming, uh, you know, time management, meal prep. Nothing is off limits. And have an awesome day. Live in that 93%. Keep showing up for yourself. No zero days. Mm-hmm.